and welcome to the Well-Read Podcast, a bi-weekly discussion on books and reading. I'm Hallie. And I'm Anne. And we are librarians with the Beaufort County Library in South Carolina. And this week we are going to be discussing some of our childhood favorite books. This was a suggestion from one of our listeners, Olivia, who was interested in books that either we loved as children or more recent books that we would recommend for children. So, uh, Anne, what, I, I know we did our Reading Lives episodes, but let's refresh everybody's memory of what kind of reader were you as a child? A constant reader. <laughs> that was what I did. It was my thing. And I always grew up having people tell me, well, you should become a librarian because I was known as the reading kid Uh it just it was such a huge part of my childhood I can't I can't imagine a time when I wasn't reading Uh how about you uh yeah same way in fact my parents tell a story about how when they were at a like a parent teacher conference and the teacher said something to them about how do you get her to read so much like I can't get my own kids (laughs) to read that much they were just sort of like I don't know I mean they read to me as a child you know yeah like to go to bed they'd read me stories and stuff but I don't know I was just always a huge lover of yeah. reading like it was my entertainment yeah so. I don't even remember being read to I'm sure I was read to yes. but I don't remember it at all yeah I I can't remember a time when I didn't know how to read yeah and so it's just like you said it's been the constant entertainment yes. in my life yes. so so and this was really hard for me to just choose three of my favorites yeah. was it hard for you it, yeah it was hard and I, I sort of decided not to do classics mm-hmm. because I or or like very well-known classics mm-hmm. just just by just as a way to filter for yes. myself. So um, I've got some classics on here still, I think, but they're they're just not as, as like, like I could have easily talked about Little House on the Prairie right. or Little oh, House in the Big Woods for, it, yeah. Yeah, for uh, hours and hours because yes, it's such a great book. But yeah, there there are so many books to choose from, but I think I got some good ones. Yeah, okay, tell me your first one. Okay, first is The Girl with the Silver Eyes by Willow Davis Roberts. And this is one of the first books I remember ever buying for myself. Which is is always a fun experience yeah. when you have your own money. And Did you, you buy pictures. it at a bookstore or through like a Scholastic no, Book Fair? No, well, school? I bought it at the store that was called Imaginarium, and it oh, was yeah. it's store in the mall, yeah, yeah. And it had um like it, it doesn't exist anymore, but it specialized in educational toys, mm-hmm. and it had a big front door, like a, a big wide entrance, and it had this tiny little door to the side, which is such a good idea yeah. to get kids excited about something. And I, I remember being completely dumbfounded by this amazing door, and it had a a sign that was made out of like fiber optic rainbow lights and oh my word <laughs> that was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen <laughs> so this is pretty much my my little like dream mm-hmm. shopping experience um, and I remember buying this and, and feeling so like smart for getting this mm-hmm. this kind of smart book in the store and and it was it was just a very fun way to to get into buying books for myself now it's just you click a few things and you're done so different yeah not quite so magical yeah but magical in a different way right right just shows still, up at your door yeah <laughs> or shows up on your screen <laughs> so this book is about a little girl named katie who is described by most people as peculiar um, because she's quiet and serious and she doesn't really make friends with other kids at all and she's been living with her grandmother in the country for the past few years while her mother was working but after her grandmother dies in an accident she moves in uh, with her mother to an apartment in a city and her mother herself feels a little bit wary of Katie because she never cried at all as a baby and everyone that meets her is also struck by the silver colored eyes that that she has even one of the neighbors in the complex is kind of almost as afraid of her and he but he's a jerk and he kind of bullies her because of this Um, but he doesn't know that Katie's actually hiding a bigger secret which is that she can move objects with her mind and she can also understand what animals are saying yeah I don't think I ever read this it's a really fun book 
So mostly she's using these powers for her own amusement, and she also uses them to play tricks on this bullying neighbor that she she doesn't like. But then she becomes nervous when a man um, moves into the apartment complex, and he seems very, very friendly, but he's asking a lot of questions about her to her neighbors. So she starts to wonder if the accident that her grandmother had, if there's something... um, there's a reason that this man is asking so many questions if it's tied to that if she did something she didn't realize she had done um and she kind of gets very worried in the way that kids do when they don't have a lot of information and they they sort of blow things out of proportion but um but these are real fears for her so and she has a, a big secret that she's hiding so she also begins to wonder if there are other kids that are like her out there and she wonders if she can ever find a place where she'll fit in and i think that that's a really universal theme for mm-hmm. for kids to experience there I know every kid experiences that that feeling of not belonging and so there this is a really universal book and I love that books like this even though I remember reading them as a kid and I don't I don't remember having feelings of oh every kid feels this way it isn't just me there there's still something that a good author can tap into mm-hmm. those things that that kids have or those fears that kids have and I also kind of identified with Katie because I was a, a really advanced reader and I went to actually went to an an older grade for my language arts stuff um, and was in a gifted program. And, and so I got along really well with the kids that were in my own grade, but I was crazy shy in these, these advanced things. And, and still in in my life, I can tell that those are like fears that come up a lot um, from, from being in a situation that I'm not familiar with. But I liked reading a book where a kid had those same issues and, and I just identified with that a lot, which is a great thing about children's literature, finding people that you identify with yes. and that you feel like you're you're you could be friends with yeah. so yeah this is a really special book to me i i reread it in in preparation for this and i oh, thought oh this is yeah this is such a fun book this is such a a neat like it was it was very outside of my normal reading because i was way more into like pretty dresses and mm. stuff and <laughs> so so to read this book that was that was more of a a way to find a kid that that i identified with was was just different and and important for me so um this book is the girl with the silver eyes by willow davis roberts that's funny because when i was writing up my notes for this episode it made me just want to read all the books i know <laughs> all the children's books i've ever loved like not just these three just every book that crossed my mind did uh, you ever read um the view from the cherry tree no oh she wrote that one too that was oh. a really good like children's thriller oh was it? it's a really good book it was more into the christopher pike apparently did you read those oh yeah but that was a couple years later that i got oh, into christopher it? pike yeah, this like, is more you little, know yeah yeah like like, yeah, like second grade school, kind of yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so my first one is The Westing Game by Ellen Raskin, <gasps> which Yay. if I had to say an absolute favorite book of my childhood, I think this would be the one I would say because I can't even really describe my adoration for this book when I was a child. I mean, I read it over and over and it was, so I'll explain a little bit about it, but it's a mystery. It's like a puzzle and all the pieces fit together just kind of perfectly at the end. Mm-hmm. And so I would read it over and over because I was so enthralled with this concept that all these pieces, all these threads tied together. And so I just absolutely loved it. it uh, it's a mystery, like I said. It's about 16 strangers who have moved into a new apartment building. And they're all gathered together for the reading of the will of this old rich man named Mr. Westing, who has died mysteriously. And according to the terms of the will, these 16 people have been grouped together into pairs and given four one-word clues, which will point them towards the murderer of Mr. Westing. And each of them is given $10,000 to help them solve the mystery. And the winning pair will win his fortune of $200 million. So 
major stakes yeah. here and it's not it's it's a mixture of adults and children because there are families in the building and so as the story plays out these people that are paired up aren't necessarily people that knew each other previously and so they're all kind of getting to know each other and everyone has secrets that they're trying to hide from other people and there's lots of scheming because everybody's you know this major money is at stake here so and they all have reasons of why they need the money and so um, it's just absolutely delicious to read about these this adventure mystery kind of a story and then like I said it all ties together in a really creative way at the end which for me I think this was probably one of the first mysteries I ever read so oh, the, wow. the idea that it all like is so cleverly tied together really appealed to me um, and there's a young girl who's kind of, I would think, I would have to reread it to be sure, but in my mind, she's sort of the main character named Turtle Wexler. And she was basically who I identified with in mm-hmm. the book because she's a younger girl, but she's very smart. And she kind of figures everything out as it goes along. And so it just, as a to read it as a child and to see a child kind of outsmarting some of the adults was really mm-hmm. appealing too. Um, so that's The Westing Game by Ellen Raskin. That's such a fun book. I read it as an adult for the first time uh-huh. and... I just cursed myself for not reading it over and over again as a kid because yes. it was just perfect. It's yes. such a fun book. Yes. That's how I felt about it. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I saw that on Goodreads when I was looking up, you know, to refresh my memory of mm-hmm. the storyline. And I saw you just read it a couple of years ago. Maybe? Yeah. I was in yeah. grad school yeah. that I read it. Yeah. <sighs> what could have been? I know. <laughs> All right. What's your next one for you? Um, it's The Children of Noisy Village by Astrid Lindgren. And it was really hard to choose my favorite Astrid Lindgren book to talk about because she's really famous for, for Pippi Longstocking, obviously, but I adored her as a kid. And she she's written a lot of lesser known books that are really wonderful, and I have several of them. And so it was just a matter of choosing one from the shelf. But I decided to go with this one because I think about it the most probably. It also has some, kind of some personal memories to me since my um, two of my older siblings were exchange students in Sweden when I was a, a little kid, and we have close family friends that live there. So my memory was that I had this Astrid lingering collection of books that they had brought to me from from Sweden, and it were, they were those they were the gifts that they brought to me after the conclusion of their year abroad. Um, but then I pulled out my copy of this to refresh my memory, and it had a border sticker on the back <laughs> of it. So so either they tricked me or I bought it for myself um, at some point. But so you still have the book from when you got it as a child? Oh, yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. I have lots of books. <laughs> I have my... lots of books, too, but I'm definitely cold since I was a child. Oh, I'm not good at that. <laughs> Weeding is not my strong point when it's my personal collection. When it's library collection, sure. Not not my personal collection. Um, so this is actually more of a collection of short vignettes about life in a group of three farms that are nicknamed Noisy Village because of the six children that live there. And everything is told from the perspective of nine-year-old Lisa, who has, um, she lives on a farm with two brothers who are slightly older than she is, and they all are best friends with the other children that live on the houses on either side of them. So there's a little boy that lives on one side that's the same age as the brothers, and then two sisters that are Lisa's age, and they're... That, that live in the other house and they're all all these children are born within a couple of years of each other so they're the perfect group of of playmates and lisa tells all about the fun that they have throughout the year um so based on her stories i came to the conclusion as a kid that there was no better life than a rural swedish childhood <laughs> it sounds Clearly. like the best thing on earth because she tells you about their their christmas celebrations and the little parties they had to welcome the new year and they go um, on a crayfish expedition with their their uncles during the summer she she just makes it sound like everything is exciting all the time. But then there's all these little day-to-day adventures that they have, too. Um, like they rigged up a system to pass notes from house to house. And that just 
blew my mind. It was so cool. Um, and they play pranks on each other. And it's just this kind of idyllic childhood that sounded so, so lovely. But Astrid Lindgren is, is a master at pinning down elements that will appeal to kids. So there are parts that I vividly remember um, about the book. Like, like there's a, a part in the Christmas story where they get special Christmas books that they open on Christmas Eve. Or, or they collect bookmarks and they share them and, with each other. And they, the way I remember these things were that they were major elements of the story. And when I was looking through it, they're literally like one sentence really? in, in the entire thing. But but they were so vividly described, or, or at least I latched onto them so much that they just became this this monster part of the story to me. So you can see where my interests lay, even <laughs> as a kid. <laughs> uh, but But... Looking back on this, it isn't any wonder that I grew up to adore seasons and, and seasonal celebrations and kind of cozy settings in my my reading and in my my real life. I, I just really am um, drawn to those things um, because this book was really laying the foundation for for future interests of mine. And I didn't really identify that at the time, but now I definitely can look back and sort of see where that started. Um, it's just a, it's delightful. It, you can read it in like an hour and a half. It's it's perfect. All children's books that I will ever perfect, as far as I'm concerned. Did you um, reread that one before? Yeah, just yeah. just really quickly. Yeah. It was so fun to to revisit that. I I kind of gave myself an afternoon to read all my ch- my children's so favorite. I yeah, have done that. it was a good time. Um, and that's called The Children of Noisy Village by Astrid Lindgren. All right, so my next one is Anne of Green Gables by Lucy Maud Montgomery. I'm guessing most people know Anne of Green Gables, but I uh, will tell you about it anyway. Anne Shirley is an 11-year-old orphan who is mistakenly sent to live with Matthew and Marilla Cuthbert, a brother and sister who live on a farm on Prince Edward Island in Canada. And they had requested a boy to help out around the farm because they're getting a little bit older. But in there's a, some sort of mix-up, and Anne shows up instead and somehow just worms her way right into their hearts. It takes a little <laughs> while for her to break through to Marilla, who's a little bit of a harder case than Matthew. But um, she has... So Anne has... Anne with an E, by the way. Very important. <laughs> very important detail. Uh, she has red hair and is just completely irrepressible and dramatic and delightful and she has this fantastic imagination and before long has charmed pretty much everybody uh on the island and all their neighbors and everybody and so um what i i've actually reread these since i was a child so i think i probably like different things about the books now than i did then but one of the things that i love is the relationship between Anne and marilla and matthew which Mm -hmm. is just this very beautiful but also believable story of these people coming together who need each other mm-hmm. and they don't realize that they needed each other at first and um and that's a thread that goes through all of the books there are i think eight books in this series i think something so like that. quite a few books in this series. yeah because then it gets into her kids and stuff yeah and so i think i always stopped after i don't know that i ever read all eight yeah like i think i stopped after she started having, I think I got yeah. through her having kids, but then when it branched out, I think I stopped. Basically, I wanted to just crawl into these books and live in them mm-hmm. when I was younger. <laughs> and there was this lovely Canadian miniseries that came out in the mid 80s uh, with Megan Follows and Colleen Dewhurst. Did you ever yeah, see that? Yeah, of course. Oh, it's the greatest. It's so great. <laughs> uh, and there's this dreamy actor as Gilbert Blythe, and it's just perfect. I would contend that every girl's first crush was is Gilbert, Gilbert Blythe. Blythe. Yeah, I like, think so, maybe. And specifically uh, that actor. That is, actor. What is yeah. his name? Jonathan something. I can't remember. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. He just died recently, unfortunately. He, oh, did he? Yeah. He was on an... Yeah, I do, do think I saw that. That's sad. But anyway, so the combination of loving the books and then the miniseries was such a good representation yes. of the books that uh, the combination just 
just made me fall in love with this mm-hmm. story even more. And this is actually kind of good timing because Netflix has just announced that they're going to be producing an adaptation called Anne in 2017. So I'm thinking it's time for a reread and potentially read the whole series instead of stopping after Anne has her children. (laughs) Um, And uh, it's just prime comfort reading. Like this is like you were saying, cozy kind Mm -hmm. of warm feeling. That's that's what these books are to me. So that's Anne of Green Gables by Lucy Maud Montgomery. Uh, I adore those books. And they're not like when you say she she warms her way into everyone's affections. It's not she's not like a she's she's sweet but it isn't it isn't a saccharine no she's she's really flawed and yes. she's really um yeah she's not always nice like she'll do things that that are kind of hurtful to other right. people and it's never on purpose but mm-hmm. you know there's i don't know it's but just, it also isn't real. all about like here's a lesson to be learned right. it's just it's just a very real feeling yeah. book and it's so good <sighs> yeah. it's time time to pull out some i know right some old books <laughs> Um, so my last book is Time Enough for Drums by Anne Rinaldi. And this was my favorite book when I was a little bit older, when I was about 11 and 12. Anne Rinaldi got me into historical fiction, and I was really already interested in history as a kid, but I had all, I'd read all the nonfiction books in my school library. But her book her books opened me up to a new re- way of reading, which is the, the merging of fiction mm-hmm. plus history. It mm-hmm. blew my mind. <laughs> it was very, very exciting because I was a little nerd and these things were a big deal to me. So um, this was my favorite of her books, but she has a lot of good ones. Um, and they're usually about young women in, in significant historical moments. So if that appeals to you, then there are tons of these out there. The main character in this book is Jemima Emerson, and she's 15 years old, and she lives with her family who is very close and loving <laughs> Um, in Trenton, New Jersey, at the beginning of the American Revolution. And when I say her family's loving, they're actually pretty split in their loyalties. She has a close-knit family that she lives with that is loyal to to the patriot cause. Um, so her father is a local merchant who refuses to supply the or to, to stock British imports in, in his shop. And her mother is actually writing anonymous essays that support the, the patriot cause, which becomes a big deal later in the book. And she has an older brother that's serving in the Continental Army and a younger brother that's itching to join the militia. But then she has this random older sister who is married to a British officer. And she hasn't been on good terms with the family for many years. And the sister is living with Jemima's uh, Tory grandfather. So so the whole family it feels very passionately about the side they're on, but but they don't see eye to eye in a lot of ways. So Jemima's own loyalties are firmly on the side of the Patriots, but she has constant conflict with her tutor, who's named John Reed, and he's an avowed Tory, and he really loves to antagonize her as he's trying to turn her from this this extremely headstrong little girl, essentially, to a lady. So even though John gets along well with the entire family, and even there's there's kind of hints at a past romance with um, Jemima's older sister, um, she can't understand why her parents would allow a Tory into her home, and she does everything she can she can to be disrespectful to him, and she's really nasty at times to him. But all of her rebellion toward John comes to a head when she discovers a shocking secret about him, and suddenly nothing in her world seems the same, and her feelings for him change from hatred into love. And I'm not telling you anything that's not on the back cover of the book. So this this all happens pretty early. But basically, I thought this was the most romantic thing I'd ever read in my life. Like, just, it it was so romantic. Oh, I had a best friend who was also very into this this author. And she and I read it together. And we would just swoon over this story and, and these particular parts of, of when they realize they love each other. And and I, I actually reread this, too. I did a lot of rereading on It was really fun for this this episode. And as I was rereading, I was surprised at how I remembered specific parts verbatim, uh-huh. but because I clearly had read these just dozens Over. of times and, and 
just adored it. But um, I didn't remember how much history was packed into the story. So unbeknownst to me as a 12 year old, this actually covers the Battle of Trenton, which is now I know a pivotal battle in the in the revolution and was the it was the reason that George Washington crossed the Delaware on Christmas Day, and that's an extremely famous story. And it just that all went over my head as a kid. So the romance. it was just really cute how they got together. <laughs> <laughs> so it was neat to reread this as an adult and sort of see the bigger picture in this. Um, and I think Anne Arnaldi pr- portrays the hardships of war really well. So they're they're still appropriate for children, but you aren't really getting a whitewashed version of it either she has a lot of brutal realities of, of what it means to go to war and the the deprivation that you go through if you're not actually fighting and the horrible things that happen to you when you are fighting so i wish that i had been a little bit more minded toward that to remember those things but eh, heart wants what, what the heart wants do? yeah um and even rereading it the the romance still made my heart flutter it was Aww. it was really cute so um i i really enjoyed this and it's called time enough for drums by Anne rinaldi see you're secretly a romance lover it's surprising <laughs> that i didn't get more into romance as an adult based on how much i love well that and and anne of green okay. gables is incredibly romantic yes. in um the third book which is i can't remember right now yeah it's, it's not anna windy poplars it's uh anna ingleside maybe maybe Anne of the Island, maybe? Anne of the Island. I think that's the right one, yeah. Um, Yeah, that's very, very Very romantic. romantic. And so I was all about that, too. So I don't know what happened to me to turn my heart into stone, but (laughs) something did. (laughs) We'll get you back. We'll pull you back to the pink side. You and Sarah McLean and (laughs) Eloise James all together. (laughs) We have a whole team working on it 24 hours a day. Uh, my last one, and this was tough because I had a bunch of other favorites in my mind, but I don't think that there are any books that I got gobbled up as quickly as I did with these. So these are the ones I'm going to talk about, which were the Babysitter's Club series yes. by Anne M. Martin, which I'm guessing I was in maybe third, fourth, fifth grade-ish mm-hmm. time when I read just a ton of these. Um and so really, how how could I dare to leave them off a favorites <laughs> list when they were legitimately favorites when I was that age? You know what I mean? Like when you right. look back, you think of the more, not serious, classics, yeah. I guess, that, that I liked. But I, like Babysitter's Club was a favorite. It's a really formative book in yes. a lot of people's yes. lives. So, so if you aren't familiar, this is a series about five young girls who form a business where a family who needs a babysitter can call them during certain hours and book a babysitter. So it's it's an entrepreneurial endeavor where they are trying to save the family's time and and combine efforts and mm-hmm. you know whoever's available during that slot of time they just book them. So instead of a, an additional phone call that you have to mm-hmm. make if one person's booked. So it's a very clever idea. Yeah, it's really it really smart. is. Uh, and it's convenient for the families and and good for the girls cuz then they are making money and being proactive about mm-hmm. their lives the, now that i have not reread these since i was a child <laughs> i will preface it with that so i don't know how well defined the girls were but in my mind they each have a distinct personality and yeah, i would say different so. family situations to deal with so right. i don't know how well-rounded they were as people but as characters mm-hmm. you know they represented different people and it was you know this was i'm guessing the first one came out in like 86 87 something like yeah that. maybe somewhere even around earlier there. maybe a little later well 
Yeah, probably like 86 or 87, yeah. given how old I was. It wasn't always necessarily a given that you were going to have non-white characters mm-hmm. in a book. And there were non-white characters in these books. And um, one, there was one girl who had diabetes. And there's one girl who's from uh, part of a blended family mm-hmm. and dealing with that. There's one who's like a tomboy. And there's one who's just kind of shy and quiet. So because of the different personalities, I think any young girl or boy who may have read these could identify with one of the characters or mm-hmm. hope to be kind of like one of the characters. Yeah, for sure. And it follows the girls. So there, I don't even know how many books are in this series. I mean, hundreds, well into the hundreds. Yeah. yeah. So I'm guessing I stopped before then, but uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Um, but the, the ones that I had read follow the girls through their adventures in their social and family relationships, as well as the individual challenges that came from taking care of others people, other people's children mm-hmm. and what goes along with that. So there's like some comedy and some drama when, that would go along with those. Mystery and sometimes. There's a mystery sometimes, yes. All kinds of different yes, things. Yes, they, they did all sorts of different things. And so as for me, as a preteen girl who lived in Ohio, the, the situations that they were, went through were recognizable to me. Mm-hmm. And like you said about identifying with the... Uh, the girl in the first book mm-hmm. like I feel like I could identify with those girls and what, which which one were you oh gosh which one was I that's a good um I wanted to be Stacy everyone wanted to be Stacy <laughs> she had the best clothes and a pretty blonde yeah, hair yeah. I was probably Christy I guess okay maybe I think I was Marianne Marianne and maybe like there was definitely some Claudia because I was into art okay. and so but but more Marianne oh, in terms yes. of personality yes. so yeah I'm guessing yeah I'm guessing more Christy than anybody else yeah. but I don't know that anybody really I can see you me. mostly as Christy because yeah. she has like the big idea yes. that's the first book that, she's it's, the it's, like leader of yeah, it. yeah yeah so yeah and you're probably that would be me I guess yeah, yeah. but I wanted to be Stacey obviously <laughs> <laughs> she was so pretty <laughs> Uh, but also anyway. had diabetes, so she had a hard thing she going did have on in her life. That was sad. But anyway, so like I said, I haven't read these. I have no idea how they would hold up if yeah. you were to read them as an adult. I'm guessing maybe they wouldn't be riveting reads for an adult, <laughs> but they really hit the spot for me when I was about nine or ten years yeah. old. So uh, those are the Babysitter's Club books by Anne and Martin. The first one is called Christie's Big Idea, I, I think, think. So. or Christie's Great Idea. I think it's Great Idea. Great Idea. What's shocking to me is how well I remember these oh, books after, <laughs> I don't know, it's been a long time since I read one of those, but they're they're really, like, they stick with you. They're such a big part of your childhood. If you read, if you're getting, if you got into these, they were huge, huge in your part. childhood. And these were books, like I said, there are other books that I would consider favorites, but these are the ones that as soon as I, if I could buy books, these are the books that I would buy. Really? You know, if I went to yeah. a bookstore, these are the books yeah. I would buy. Oh, yeah, yeah. this scholastic yeah. Um, mm-hmm. book order. Yes. This was the front page. This right. was the, right. your prime real estate that you you read these books. So. And M. Martin. Oh. <sighs> directed my life now so and fun. i'm just thinking i wonder did she write those or was this like a, a syndicate syndi- kind of thing yeah. i think she wrote i don't know for sure on that i know yeah. she wrote some of them but i don't know in the end if she was yes. still writing them or I'm if it, it like branched out to other people but yeah. i don't think they're still produced anymore i would um i would have no idea actually yeah i feel like i looked this up at one point but i don't remember what i found out but it did there were all kinds of kind of spin-off um, series like I got really into the sleepover friends series that was oh, kind I of the same those. idea where it's all these friends that hold like like little club things oh, yes. were such a big big yeah. thing when you're a kid yes. and this was this was the best of all of them it was the best of all of them <sighs> all right so we'll be right back with what we're reading this week
Okay, tell me, Anne, what are you reading this week? I read another childhood favorite. Oh, you did? I did. Um, I had a long road trip that I, I went on uh, actually to Ohio this this week, this past weekend. So I picked this up as something to listen to just because it sounded fun. Um, and I legitimately couldn't choose just three. So <laughs> You're cheating. Yeah, a little bit. But do you blame me? No. No. Um, I'm pretty sure I mentioned um, this book in my Reading Life episode. It's The Dollhouse Murders by Betty Wren Wright. And she was a major contributor to my love of ghost stories and spooky things as a kid and really influenced my reading for for years to come. Still does, I guess, essentially, since this is still my favorite topic. Um, The book starts out with 12-year-old Amy being embarrassed by the behavior of her mentally challenged sister, Luann, uh, while they're out together at a mall. And Amy is kind of trying to make a new friend, and and Luann is... um, is ruining that chance for her. So this causes a huge fight between Amy and her mom because Amy feels like she always has to be in charge of Luann and she never really gets a chance to just be a kid. But after the fight, then uh, Amy runs to the old family home, which is nearby where her Aunt Claire is staying for a few weeks to clean it out since it hasn't been touched in, in years and years um, for reasons you'll find out in the book. For reasons, um, that sounds ominous. Yes. And because of the situation, Claire invites Amy to stay with her for a few days so she can kind of get some time to herself and, and just give the, the family time to cool off, which Amy's mom um, reluctantly agrees to. And uh, Amy moves into this gorgeous Victorian home that her great grandparents had owned for a few years. Amy's having a great time with her aunt, but she's especially entranced by this gorgeous dollhouse that she finds in the attic, and it's an exact replica of this of this family home, and it even includes dolls that look like the the great grandparents and Claire and Amy's father. Um, so it's just completely entrancing. I think any little girl and and lots of, of little boys probably would be very very intrigued by mm. this a dollhouse that looked like that so um when she when amy gets really excited about it claire is not at all excited that amy is interested in this and she says it brings back some bad memories for her and she just basically says leave it alone Um, which amy agrees to do but she has to go up to the attic occasionally um, just to get supplies for her aunt and every time she does this she sees that the dolls have moved and she hasn't moved them she knows her aunt hasn't moved them so something's going on um, but when she tries to tell her aunt, she's accused of doing it herself and um, that she's her aunt thinks that she's trying to dredge up the past. So there's something going on. So, of course, Amy takes herself to the library to do some research, as one does. Yay, library. Right. And she finds out that her grandparents were actually murdered in this house. Oh. And so it's kind of dark for a kid's book, but... <laughs> You know, I was into that. Um, and she realizes um, through this research that that the dolls are actually trying to tell her something about this murder. And, and she is going to find out what that thing is. So this scared me completely to death, death as a kid. I was terrified of this book, but um, I still loved it and I read it constantly. And even, even listening to it as I was driving, I still found it really creepy. Really? There's still just... It's a creepy premise. A creepy, really creepy premise. Um, but a great premise. Of course. <laughs> um, but of course, as an adult, I, I was noticing more the way that it dealt with the relationship with Amy and her family, particularly her relationship with, um, or the relationship that develops with Luann, um, even though the, the language isn't PC at all anymore. And that was pretty surprising to me. Um, the author Betty Renwright is really in tune with some of the frustrations that kids feel when they're they're asked to act as adults in, in ways that they're not quite prepared for um, and they are in situations that make them feel powerless and that was um, I'm sure something like I said in the the first book there are ways that adults 
recognize these things that kids are feeling that you don't necessarily recognize yourself when you're a kid and they they tap into that so um so i liked finding that out about this one um also when i posted this on goodreads then it showed up in my facebook feed and i got all kinds of responses from friends who said this is also one of my favorite books as a kid and that was really fun to sort of have this communal remembering of of this really great experience that they had um and i would say if you're looking for kind of a non-threatening halloween read Mm -hmm. i know that 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 may be something you would enjoy. Um, this is a good one because it's it's creepy, but it isn't over the top mm-hmm. scary, um, at least for an adult as a kid, it was. Yeah. Um, so it might be something to look into, especially if you had a 1980s childhood that you're a little nostalgic for. So it's The Dollhouse Murders by Betty Wren Wright. It's funny you say that because about the not the non-PC language mm-hmm. because one of the books I considered for my favorites was The Indian in the Cupboard. Mm. And I was like, I am 100% sure that that was racist right. if I would try to right. go back and read it right now. So I'm not going to Yeah, we, we read it in school and no yeah. one thought about that no. at the time. Which says a lot about Things why are, we are where we are. Right. <laughs> All right. So what I'm reading this week is The Hating Game by Sally Thorne. And this is a relatively recent release. I think Mm -hmm. it just came out at the beginning of August. Uh, It's sort of, I would call it steamy chiclet. Like it's not really a straight up romance, but it's not, it's a little bit uh, spicier than Mm -hmm. a regular chiclet book would be. And it's about a girl named Lucy Hutton, who is an executive assistant to the CEO of a publishing company. And after two publishing houses merged, Lucy now spends every day sharing an office with Joshua, who is the executive assistant to the other CEO from the other company. So they've basically kept the exact same structure. They just merged (laughs) the two houses because they were both kind of failing. And Lucy and Josh really don't like each other. And they spend every single day locked in a battle of mind games and one-upmanship. And then a promotion comes along for a major promotion it would be i it's like chief operating officer or something like that they're both qualified for it so they're both vying for this job and they know that whoever gets it would end up becoming the other's boss and basically neither of them would want that so they know that whoever gets it is staying and then whoever doesn't get it would leave because they wouldn't want to stay as the underling (laughs) they ramp up their efforts to try to outsmart the other one but at the same time that they're doing that the tension starts turning into something a little more uh, (laughs) like an attraction between the two of them even though they stay still claim they hate each other and I should say like I'm saying they hate each other, but really it seems like just Lucy hates Joshua. Not, it's not necessarily <laughs> reciprocated. He's just kind of like a cold kind of guarded person. Yeah. Like he doesn't really give anything away. And she interprets that as hatred. Um, so it's really fun and engaging. It's perfect kind of end of summer book. It was a perfect book to kind of at the end of the day sit down with and, and let my mind relax and just read it. Um, and there's lots of fun, witty banter between the characters, which, you know, is kind of my kryptonite in a book. Yeah. I love that. Um, so that's The Hating Game by Sally Thorne. All right. Well, uh, thank you, Olivia, for your suggestion of childhood favorites. Yeah, and this was really fun. This was a fun episode. Uh, let's go back and talk or list off all the books that we talked about today okay um my books were the the girl with the silver eyes by willow davis roberts the children of noisy village by astrid lindgren time enough for drums by ann rinaldi and what i read this week was the dollhouse murders by betty wren wright all right and the, mine this week were the westing game by ellen raskin Anne of green gables by lucy maud montgomery the Babysitter's Club by Anne M. Martin. And what I'm reading this week is The Hating Game by Sally Thorne. If you'd like to get in touch with us to give us feedback or a suggestion on a topic you'd like us to discuss, you can email us at wellreadpod at gmail.com, find us on our Facebook page or on Twitter at wellreadpodcast. 
Please rate and review us on iTunes or your other podcast provider of choice. Our podcast is engineered by Adam Farver. Our theme music is Kitten by Poddington Bear. We keep our show notes at BeaufortCountyLibrary.org slash well-read, where you can find a listing of every book we talked about in this episode. Thank you all for listening and happy reading. Happy reading.